it's a real privilege to be able to preach for you today. And I think your stage looks absolutely gorgeous. But I got to tell you that uh, up until last Monday, my wife and I were a little more used to palm trees. Um, <laughs> I recently retired and uh, got a vacation in Fort Myers, Florida. So the week that uh, Nick Steer sent me the email was my birthday week, middle of November, asking me to come here today. And it was 88 degrees that day and sunny. If I remember right, I think close to that, I was walking on Sandy Beach. And I think I walked in on some sand this morning, but it just wasn't the same, you know? <laughs> but this is not my first time here at Northminster Presbyterian. I actually did a wedding for a couple from Chillicothe a couple years ago, and this is my second time here, and it's not my first experience with the Presbyterian Church. I grew up my elementary years in a Presbyterian church in a small town in Iowa called Mechanicsville. Anybody here from Iowa, by chance? Okay, you're from Iowa. You happen to know where Mechanicsville is, by chance? You do? Okay, great. It's uh, in between Cedar Rapids and Mechanicsville. Now, my dad was raised Catholic, and my mom grew up in the Lutheran church. So naturally, when we moved to Mechanicsville, we joined the Presbyterian church. <laughs> but, but, but they didn't plan it that way. The first house that they rented in Mechanicsville before they purchased a home was right across the street from First Presbyterian Church in Mechanicsville. And one day, my mom was working in the house, and there's a knock on the door. She answered the door, and there was this sharp-looking, handsome guy with a neat crew cut, and he introduced himself as George, and my mom thought that he was a vacuum cleaner salesman, so he was ready to send him off. Well, he said, no, I'm not a vacuum cleaner salesman. I am the pastor of the church right across the street. My name is George Gallagher, I'm pastor of First Presbyterian Church. So my mom went to get my dad, and they started talking. My dad served in the Korean conflict in the Navy. George Gallagher served in the Korean conflict in the Navy. My dad received a mechanical engineering degree from Iowa State University. George Gallagher received a mechanical engineering degree from Iowa State University before he went into the ministry. I mean, so naturally, you can imagine what happened. My family was at First Presbyterian Church the very next Sunday, and George and uh, my dad became very, very good friends. In fact, George Gallagher, I just looked at the history of that church, had the longest pastorate of that ministry there at that church for over 100 years. And to this day, he had the longest pastorate. And I praise God for his excellent Bible preaching and the instruction that I got from teachers at that Presbyterian church. So once again, thank you so much for inviting me here today. But I'm not here to talk about the church in Iowa. I'm not here to talk about this church. I'm here to talk about God's church. Because this is not your church. It's not your elders' church. It's not the staff church. It's Jesus' church. He is the one who said, I will build my church. It's the one he instituted over 2,000 years ago. And I want to talk as boldly as I can today about the future and the hope 
of God's church. So my message today is entitled, The Church Has a Fantastic Future. And here's what I'd love for you to come away with today. I would love for you to be able to walk out of this place with a greater appreciation for God's church. I would love for you to walk out of this place more committed to serve God's church at Northminster Presbyterian than you ever have before. And I would love for you to walk out of here knowing that there is no greater force for good, either now or for eternity, than the church of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the church has a fantastic future. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church of Jesus Christ has a fantastic future because it has the only living Savior and Lord. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I mentioned we were next to Fort Myers, Florida for a retirement vacation. I recently retired from Chillicothe Christian Church after serving their tremendous ministry uh, for 25 years and three weeks. I've actually been in the ministry for 48 years, just about as long as Angie, my wife, and I have been married. 48 years, we will celebrate our 50th anniversary a year and a half from now. So that's good. Yeah. It really seems like this last year, 2023, was a tremendous year of decisions for Christ at our church in Chillicothe. We had 19 people come forward for baptism, 13 people come forward for uh, membership, uh, probably the highest number of decisions that we've had at our church since I came there in 1998. And part of our tradition as a church is whenever we have somebody come forward to be baptized or uh, to place membership in our church, we have them repeat this confession that Peter made. And so I'm going to ask you to repeat it with me. Right, I'm going to put it up on the screen. Here it is. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That word Christ it's the same word as Messiah, because Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah. And when he rose up from the grave on that first Easter, he proved that he is truly Savior and Lord. Now, in the original language, the Greek, uh, the word the is repeated four times. You could translate it this way. You are the Christ, the Son of the God, the Living One. So Peter was saying, I know who you are. You were the only Messiah sent to save us, and you were the only Son of God from heaven. And no other religious leader can say that. Confucius had some helpful sayings. Buddha had some interesting ideas. Muhammad was kind to poor people. The Hindu Hare Krishna gods gave George Harrison or the Beatles some hit songs. But listen. 
Confucius, Buddha, Muhammad, and every other religious leader that's ever lived are in their graves. They all died and stayed dead except for one. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. And the church has a fantastic future when it proclaims him and only him as the Christ, the Son of the living God. See, Jesus can be a pretty popular guy sometimes. I had the chance a couple years ago to go to the Peoria Civic Center and hear one of my favorite classic rock groups, the Doobie Brothers. Uh, great, great concert. And uh, there were a lot of songs that I really wanted to hear them play. And one of the songs, anybody other classic rock fans here? Jesus is just all right with me. Um, I could sing it for you, Nathan, but I want everybody to stay. So. It, it, it's a decent song. Jesus is just all right. Uh, the chorus says he's a friend of mine. But listen, he's more than a friend. He's more than a good teacher, more than a miracle worker, more than a great example. He is Savior and Lord. Well, my son-in-law, married to our oldest daughter, is the executive director for Alpha, uh, which is a worldwide uh, evangelistic organization that is based in London, England. And Nikki Gumbel, who is the founder of the Alpha Course, was once asked, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God? This is what Nikki said. The answer of the New Testament is an emphatic yes. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He claimed to be the way to God and indeed is the only way. Jesus Christ is both Savior and Lord. He's Savior because he has the only power to save us from sin and death. And he's Lord because he is the ruler over everything in this universe. Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul wrote this. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The church of Jesus Christ has a fantastic future because it has the only living Savior and Lord. And that leads me to the next point. The church has a fantastic future because it has the only plan of salvation. Jesus said to Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And Bible scholars all agree that the rock that Jesus refers to is Peter's confession of faith. It's what Peter said on the day of Pentecost when he preached the sermon that launched the church into existence, Acts 2.36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And you know, maybe I should revise my point to say this. The church has a fantastic future, not only because it proclaims that they have the only way of salvation, but only if they proclaim that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. See, here's the problem. Pluralism. We live in a very pluralistic society. And parts of that are, are, are good. 
diversity is good. The problem with pluralism is when you get to the point where you say, well, my way is, is just as good as your way. You know, we're all on different paths, we're all on different roads, but, you know, we're, we're all going to end up in the same place. And I'm sorry. That's just not true. My favorite illustration of that comes from Dr. Tony Campolo. Uh, Tony Campolo was professor at Eastern College in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And one time, Dr. Campolo was flying back to his college in Philadelphia, and he was sitting next to a man, they were having a conversation about religion. So they were talking about religious things, and the man said, you know what, I, I believe that we're all on different paths, we're all on different roads, different journeys, but, you know, it's okay. We're all going to wind up in the same place. As they were approaching the airport in Philadelphia, they ran into a terrible, horrible thunderstorm. I mean, the worst he'd been in. I mean, it's just terrible, you know, lightning and thunder all around, crashing, the plane heaving up and down, back and forth. And it was at that point that Campolo could not resist turning to the man sitting next to him and said, you know what, I am glad that the pilot of this plane does not share your personal theology. The man says, well, what do you mean? Campolo said, there's a man up in the front of this plane, the pilot. He has headphones on, and he's listening to a man in the control tower. And the man in the control tower is saying, come up five degrees, come up five degrees, over, over, up, up. You're on beam. Stay on beam. Campolo said, I'm glad that the pilot of this plane isn't saying, there are many ways to land this airplane. There are many ways to approach this runway. No. There is only one way to safety. And there is only one way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the church has a fantastic future when it proclaims that it has the way of salvation in Jesus. Church has a fantastic future because it has the only living Savior and Lord, the only plan of salvation, and finally, because it has the only power to overcome evil. Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I would love for this message to be all roses and puppies and sunshine and good news. But I can't, and I think you know why. It's this world that we live in. But you've seen the news. You know what's happening across the world in Israel and the horrible hostages, torture, uh, killing of women and children, sometimes babies as young as six months old, unspeakable evil that happens in this world. And it's just a microcosm of all the things that happen in this world today. Now, let me just hasten to say this, all right? This is, this is the bonus for the message. Just so that you're not misled by popular prophets who claim to have a hotline in the God's timetable, Jesus said emphatically in Matthew 24, no one could presume to know the time of his return. No one knows. Not on Christian TV, not on YouTube, no one knows. But here's what we need to know. That every time we see suffering, war, and injustice in this world, we should know that Jesus is near, just like he said. 
He's not abandoned his people. He's not given up on his cause in the world. And he will indeed prevail over evil. You see, no evil in the world could prevail against Jesus. And Jesus said, even the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now, i got to admit, I used to misunderstand this verse of Scripture. I used to hear Jesus saying, well, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So I could picture in my mind, here's all the Christians, and we're huddled behind these, these gates, and you know, we're afraid, because here's Satan with his big battering ram, bam, bam. Bam! But we're, we're together. As long as we stay together, hold hands, you know, close our eyes, we'll be, we'll be safe from that mean old devil. That's not what the Scripture says. Whose gates are they? They're the gates of hell. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We're the ones with the battering ram. We're the ones with the gospel. We're the ones who break down those gates and free the prisoners of darkness and translate them into the kingdom of light. And the church has a fantastic future when it realizes that we have been given the power by Jesus to overcome evil in this world. But please, listen to me. Listen. That's why we need to do church the Jesus way and not our merely human way. Let me tell you what I mean. I titled this sermon that the church has a fantastic future, and full disclosure, this is not the first time I've preached this message. Um, I've done it in different forms over the years, and it was really my go-to sermon when, before I came to Chillicothe in 1998, I was serving two years as an admissions uh, representative at a Bible college in Michigan. And because I was an admissions counselor, I was invited to go to a lot of different churches, and I would bring this sermon to them. But I got to tell you, <laughs> there were some times that I kind of had to stretch it a little bit. Some of those churches that I preached this message at were so dysfunctional, so infighting, so angry, troubled, and uh, my son sometimes went with me on those preaching times. And one time he said to me, Dad, at this particular church, listen, you got to be honest with them. The church has a fantastic future. Just not this one. <laughs> but when the church is healthy, when it is functional, when it is united, when it is operating under the lordship of Jesus Christ and the power of Holy Spirit, I believe that there is no force in this earth that is greater than the church of Jesus Christ. Northminster Presbyterian, you are that church. You are. Now, I don't know how many of you have read your church's website uh, page lately, but on your website, you've got a section called Our Beliefs. And I cut out a few of the parts of that, and I want to read them for you. This is from your website page. All right? This is Jesus. People attempted to be good enough for God, but they failed miserably. God had the answer. Said the second person of the Trinity into the world to accomplish what people could not accomplish on their own. We believe that Jesus Christ is both truly God and truly human. And that he died and was raised from the dead and his Savior. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Who will one day return and make all things new. 
Salvation and grace. We affirm that the current state of dysfunction and chaos in the world is the result of human choice for something and anything other than God's heart, and that God offers freedom, also referred to as salvation, from this dysfunction and chaos through faith in Jesus Christ alone. God accomplishes this freedom as an act of grace, unmerited favor, and I said all that to get to this last line. Wholeness and love and eternity is available through God's grace coming to us in Jesus. Folks, that is the gospel. That's the good news. Northminster, you are God's church. And if you will do things his way, fulfilling his mission and vision with his power, this church has a fantastic future for his glory. And that power, as your website statement says, only comes from God's grace. Um, uh, the last few months before I retired, the last weekend in October from Chillicothe Christian Church, our preaching team was going through the book of Acts. And this is what it says in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 33. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. So where does the power come from? God's grace. And the last line of your belief statement that I just read to you, wholeness and love and eternity is available through God's grace coming to us in Jesus. What's available through God's grace? Wholeness, love, and eternity. When I was invited to come here, I wasn't sure that I knew anybody. But fortunately, I discovered that I did know two people here. One of which was your very talented uh, keyboard player, Mackenzie Hopping. And the reason I know Mackenzie is because a couple years ago, we competed together in a duathlon, which is both cycling and running, just south of Springfield, Illinois. I came in third overall in that duathlon race, and Mackenzie was fourth, 59 seconds behind me. So now every time I go to a duathlon, I remember the fact that she has competed in world championships in Spain. And I know that the next time she shows up, she's going to beat the socks off me. But then she introduced me to her husband, Jake. And I got to shake Jake's hand for the first time today. I've never met him in person, but we've been Facebook friends for uh, a couple years. And we've communicated together. He's invited me on a few cycling rides that I haven't been able to take advantage of yet. But I finally got to meet Jake in person for the first time. Now, some of you may know that besides being a tremendous godly example of a father, he is a bariatric surgeon. And I really need to pronounce that correctly because if you kind of slur the words, it sounds like you're saying he's a barely adequate surgeon. <laughs> and that is not the case. He is not barely adequate. I looked up his review on ushealthnews.com and he has excellent reviews. Um, a bariatric surgeon, that's what uh, Jake is. 
And what he does primarily is a weight loss treatment for people who are morbidly obese. Um, so you might say, well, Jake does surgery for people so they can lose weight and feel better about themselves. No. It's much deeper than that. This is from CNN. Weight loss surgery reduces the risk of premature death, especially from such obesity-related conditions as cancer, diabetes, and heart disease, according to a new 40-year study of nearly 22,000 people who had bariatric surgery in Utah. Um, statistics say that there is a 16% less mortality rate for people who have bariatric surgery. Jake is not just in the business of making people feel better about themselves. Jake Hopping is in the life-saving business. But Jake also knows what every other surgeon, every other doctor in the world knows. That no matter how successful the treatment, no matter how long they can prolong someone's life by skillful diagnosis, the mortality rate for every patient they treat, yes, the final mortality rate for every human being is 100%. The Bible says we must all die and face the judgment. But listen, if Northminster Presbyterian will stand on the truth that Jesus is the only living Savior and Lord. If you will believe and proclaim that he is the only way of salvation. And when this world gets dark and evil looks like it's taking control and all hell breaks loose, if you will stand strong with Jesus and his gospel, then you're not just in the business of making people feel good. You are in the life-saving business for eternity. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you sent your son Jesus Christ to this earth 2,000 years ago to be our Lord and Savior. We celebrate that at Christmas time. The trees and the lights remind us of that. But in the midst of these trees that are on the stage, Father, is a cross. And that's a reminder that Jesus Christ died to pay the price for our sins, to give us forgiveness and the promise of eternal life. Father, would you bless every member, every elder, every teacher, every staff member of Northminster Presbyterian as they proclaim your gospel this Christmas time and until Jesus comes again. We pray in his name. Amen.